Imagine the worst case scenario. You've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. However, there is a light at the end of the tunnel as an experimental treatment is giving patients in Europe hope. Now imagine that light extinguished as the FDA informs you that despite the deadly consequences, they will not permit you to try it. I'm Dwayne Lester, and in this Insight to Action, Dean Clancy joins us to talk about the right to try and our belief that you should have the choice on what risks you're willing to take with your treatment. Here we go. Yet another week and time to talk about the personal option with Dean Clancy. We've gone through uh, the ideas that we believe all Americans deserve good insurance at an affordable price. They deserve access to the latest life-saving drugs at a reasonable price. They have they deserve to see the doctor of their choice, conveniently affordable. Last time we talked about that the belief that we think Americans deserve to know how much the care will cost up front. And this week is the choice to try experimental treatments. And this was actually a conversation that I had with one of my children the other day. Uh, we were talking, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I, said, but I said, consider this, the government will not allow or wouldn't allow terminal patients to try experimental drugs. And I could only assume that that's because they were afraid of what they would do to the patients who are terminal and that logic makes no sense to me but that's what we're dealing with here isn't it yes um, the FDA that's the Federal Food and Drug Administration and, and that's the agency that decides whether a drug can be marketed and um, prescribed in the United States they are so cautious and conservative that they will tell a terminally ill patient, sorry, you can't try that therapy, which maybe your doctor thinks is the only therapy that's likely to have any beneficial effect. And why? Because they're afraid that it will have negative effects. They also can be afraid that, well, it just won't work. And so they like to err on the side of saying no. We think that's a mistake. We think in a free country, people should be able to try therapies. I mean, it's their health, after all. And we call this idea right to try. People should be able to try drugs that would save their lives, even if the government otherwise doesn't care much for that drug. Just to clarify, I mean, I really want to put this in, in as, as stark a terms as we can. This is the federal government saying to people, we would rather that you die than give you the opportunity to heal. We would rather that you die than take the chance that this might cause you some ill effects prior to your death. That is, that's obscene to me, that, that we get in the way of this and that we, we have a government that is just basically saying, an agency that is just basically saying, sorry, we're going to remove this hope from your life right now and just let you die because that's better for us. Well, that's putting it very starkly, but yeah, more or less, that's their position. And uh, needless to say, not all of us agree with that. <clears throat> and in fact, there has been 
a movement of, of which uh, our group, Americans for Prosperity, has been a big part called, called Right to Trot. And we did get some legislation enacted a couple of years ago, a Right to Try bill that basically forces the FDA uh, to consider these cases in a little different light and actually allow patients to have access to needed drugs if they meet certain criteria. It's not all that we want, but it's a step, a modest step in the right direction. Ultimately, we think every patient has a right to pursue health care in their own best interest. And, you know, in consultation with their doctor, they should be able to try any drug that they think can do them uh, some benefit. Can you tell me some of the criteria? Do you know the criteria right off the top of your head that, that the FDA considers before saying yes or no? Well, they, they uh, basically make you fill out forms that uh, you, you verify that, in fact, you're terminal, that, uh, you know, that uh, there's no other uh, therapy uh, that works. Maybe, the, you know, you list the therapies you've already tried and uh, that sort of thing. They're trying to establish that you really are the needy patient as defined by Congress and not just somebody who, for whatever reason, just wants to try a drug that is otherwise uh, controlled or, or not approved. I don't remember all the details, but that's basically mm -hmm. the, the gist of it. So if this is, this is passed, this is what I would see as a nice first step. The goal then is to get the FDA completely out of the way and leave this up to the patient and the doctor? Yes, more or less. I think um, the way to think of the FDA's role, and I think we need an FDA or an agency like it, its role is to verify that drugs that are you know, sold in the marketplace are safe uh, so that you, know, you don't have poison being sold out there and people dying because the label says one thing and the, the substance in the bottle does another and people get hurt. But uh, the current law has FDA do something even more than that, and that is try to tell you whether or not the drug works for a particular medical condition. And it turns out the FDA has added an extra layer of conservatism to that. They will only approve it if it works significantly better than anything they've previously approved for that medical condition. And uh, they're very cautious. So they will typically demand high levels of information and they prescribe a very long and very expensive process of clinical trials to establish not only that the drug is safe, but that it works and works significantly better than anything else that's been previously approved. The result of that, Duane, is that the average new drug in America takes 10 years to get to market and costs about $3 billion to develop. And, and that's a shame because in overseas, uh, some countries are a little more enlightened about this. Japan, for example, uh, it doesn't cost so much or take so long. They still care about protecting their people. They just aren't quite so rigid about it. And the result is you will actually see drugs approved overseas and they'll be approved for years before they ever get approved in the United States. Meanwhile, people in the U.S. who could benefit from those drugs wait. Sometimes they, they die while waiting. And we'd like to change that so that what FDA does is 
make sure it's safe. And then leave it to the doctor and the patient to figure out whether it works. It turns out, by the way, and I'll end with this, every drug works only for some people. Very few drugs work in the same way for everybody. So to say a drug works is always a, you know, you have to put an asterisk on it. It might work for some people. So why not let doctors and patients figure that out since they're the ones who have to do so anyway, even in clinical trials. Now I do think you want the doctors and patients to provide information publicly so that we know if a drug really is working, what it works for, what it doesn't work for, and importantly, what adverse events it causes. You know, if it's a drug, you were trying to test it for your heart and it turns out it causes cancer, people need to know that. Uh, but you don't have to hold up the approval before you try to find that out. Something you said a little bit ago really made me think about the, the folly of central planning, especially when it comes to centrally planning healthcare and medicine. And you mentioned that if a drug, a new drug comes to market, um, it, the FDA says it's not enough that it has to be safe. It has to work better than the other drugs on the market. And you're saying if it doesn't, they won't approve it, even though it's safe? That's correct. Now, see, here's here's where my problem is. My problem, my problem here is, is we don't know what other health benefits could possibly come from that drug being on the market. We don't know how that that may be useful, like you said, for one person, but maybe not another person. Maybe it works better for this person than this person. We don't know the different ways that this this drug could be a major contributing factor with combined with other drugs because one thing i remember from when i was when i was writing about this was that there were combinations of drugs that were being used in europe to deal with cancer that were not allowed in the united states and so when we right. when we have the centrally planned bureaucracy who is operating in this way, we are prohibiting those kinds of innovations from ever happening because we've got a group of people who are making these decisions for everyone. That bothers me. Yeah, it bothers me too. It's a very good point. Central planning doesn't work because the central planners can never have complete information. And um, of course, they don't also um, necessarily care as much about you and your loved ones as you do. They may think they do, but I bet they don't know your loved ones' names. You know, they don't care that much. And um, so it's just a problem of how much power these regulators should have. Right now, it appears they have too many. I would love to mention a recent example of this situation in practice and also some poll results that we've uh, recently brought out that bear on this topic. The, the example is FDA uh, sparked a firestorm a couple of months ago when they overruled one of their own advisory panels and approved a drug for Alzheimer's that is considered a breakthrough drug. It's not a great breakthrough. It's only marginally effective in reducing these amyloid plaques that build up in your brain if you have Alzheimer's. And by the way, it's not clear whether those plaques are the cause of Alzheimer's or just a symptom of it, but it's the first drug that has any impact on those plaques. 
And so FDA decided it's a breakthrough drug, and they approved it. And they ignored their own scientific panel of advisors to do it. The evidence was sort of 50-50. You could go either way. They decided. And it's very unlike FDA to do this. I've been talking about how cautious and conservative they are. They went the other way on this one. Well, there was a firestorm because the drug cost $56,000 a year. The name of the drug is Aduhelm, A-D-U-H-E-L-M. And um, everyone was very upset because they said the evidence for efficacy is just not strong enough. It's too expensive. All these insurance companies and Medicare automatically pay whatever the drug company asks for if the FDA approves it. So they were mad at FDA for exposing them to a cost that they didn't want to pay for. They didn't want to be the bad guy and say, you know what, we don't think this is worth the money. Sorry, patient. They want the FDA to be the bad guy who does that. So uh, so it, it's we actually issued a press release praising the FDA for once because we think they did the right thing. They took a drug that appears to be a breakthrough, albeit a small one, and said to patients and doctors, you can do this. Go ahead and try it if you want. It's expensive. The drug maker is charging a lot. And so now what's happening? Some of the insurance companies are saying, you know what, we're only going to cover it in certain cases. They're actually reading the scientific literature themselves to try to figure out when it might be you know, worth the money. That's, that's the world we want to live in rather than the one we're in now. And so that's the example. And then uh, I wanted to mention the poll results. But why don't you respond to, to what I've said so far, just in case I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking too much here. No, no, I, I'm, I'm really, I want to hear about the poll results. Okay. We, um, we asked YouGov, Y-O-U-G-O-V, uh, to go out and ask a thousand Americans, representative of the U.S. population, what they thought about this Alzheimer's drug approval and about drug prices in general, because there's a big debate going on in Washington right now about imposing price controls on drugs. And uh, the folks who are pushing these big, big expensive spending bills through Congress right now really want to impose price controls because they think it would save money on prescription drugs. And um, those of us who oppose that are saying, yeah, but you're going to result, it's going to result in drug shortages and fewer new cures in the future, and and there's a better way. There's a better way to get drug costs down. Well, we asked people in the poll what they thought. Do you prefer a government-imposed price control approach, or do you prefer a more market-oriented approach that uh, allows more competition and market forces to bring down costs? And by two to one, they favored the market-oriented approaches. People do want costs to come down, but they don't want to lose access altogether. And we specifically asked them, are you willing to pay more for a drug? Or are you willing to allow, was the FDA, sorry, was the FDA right to approve an expensive drug, even if it may not be all that more effective than any other drug, just so patients and doctors have the right to try it? And people overwhelmingly said, yes. So we think we're on solid ground in saying people have a right to try. FDA did the right thing when it approved that Alzheimer's drug so patients and doctors could try it. That's where we want to go. We think the public's with us on that, and we're hoping that by you know educating policymakers, we'll help shape that debate over price controls and move towards a more market-oriented approach on these questions. So it sounds like 
we've identified the external barriers on the the federal level. The FDA is putting up a lot of barriers there. And from the results of that poll, it sounds like there aren't a lot of internal barriers in a majority of the American people. They're they're open to this idea. I'm curious about external barriers on the state level. Are we seeing uh, state by state, are we seeing states that are more open to this idea and more that are closed off to it? Well, the states um, don't, of course, approve new drugs. Like That's a federal function with the FDA. And uh, the states, they run a, a Medicaid program for the poor. They, don't, they have nothing to do with Medicare, which is for the seniors and the disabled. Otherwise, the states are in a similar position to Congress, and they are, in fact, actively debating whether to impose price controls on drugs, whether to uh, how much they want to pay, for drugs, and there's even been proposals that the price controls are not just for what the government pays for drugs, but all private sector insurance plans would also be forbidden and penalized um, to, uh, you know, they couldn't uh, pay more than whatever the government set price was. This is a terrible idea, and we have been fighting it at the state level tooth and nail this year, um, and we've had good success in blocking it. Um, one bill did get through in Colorado, which set up a so-called price affordability board. I, I regard it as a medieval thing. Like these guys, these philosophers are going to determine what's the reasonable price for a drug, and then that's going to be imposed. Luckily, the bill was watered down. It only applies to no more than a dozen drugs per year. That's going to probably be the most expensive drugs that have no competition, and. Um, you know, it's 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 not a good policy, but it could have been much, much worse. And um, so, yes, this is a state-level fight, and the states could do bad things here um, that, that basically impose barriers between doctors and patients. That's really what we're talking about, barriers. Um, so far, however, uh, we are winning those fights. We talked a little bit ago about the fact that the Right to Try bill passed was passed into law. Since that's become law, and the FDA, I'm assuming, has had some cases where they've approved, have there been any any stories that show the need for this? Anything that stands out that you've read where you're like, had this person not been allowed to try this drug, they would have died. Or they tried this and it increased their quality of life prior to their death. That is a great question, Duane. I have to admit, I've not seen a single story of that nature. In fact, I'm beginning to wonder as we're talking here whether the FDA has actually ever said yes to a right to try application. I'm not going to say one way or the other because I honestly don't know the answer, but it just occurs to me as we're talking. I've never heard of them ever approving one of these things. Maybe they have and maybe it was non-controversial so there was no news story. But I suspect it's not very many people. Unfortunately, it's still a bureaucratic uh, barrier. I mean, you still got to ask permission. And so it's probably not very many people. But my guess is where they do approve it, it probably does have benefits. I just can't quantify those uh, right now. Well, this may be the first time that we've done a podcast together where you come out with homework. Because <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> okay, I will well, do the homework. No, it, but that would be, I'm, you know, it's the old writer in me. That would be a great story. Since this has been approved, the EPA has has either approved all of these, resulting in this, or they haven't 
approved a single thing and that either one of those are are good stories to know so is there anything else about this specific topic that we need to talk about i think we've covered it pretty well um people have a right to try the public believes that the fda normally doesn't but has started maybe changing maybe the pressure that groups like ours are putting on them is having a positive effect and Hopefully we can prevent these really bad ideas like price controls at the federal and state levels so that people still have access uh, to these drugs. It's a long fight, uh, but I think we're, we're in the right. And um, let's keep soldiering on and, and we can make the world better for people. Thanks again to Dean Clancy for taking the time to talk to us today about the right to try and a personal option. If you have any questions about this or any of the other topics we've talked about, please send me an email at i2a at afphq.org. I'm Dwayne Lester, and this has been Insight to Action.